0: Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Have you ever been lost? You may have taken a wrong turn and gone off trail soon night falls and you don't have any light to help guide you let's face it on any given day we encounter more darkness than we do truth but god is whispering to us all the time telling us which way to go but sometimes the the outside or the internal voices they fill our heads but god does more than just whisper to us he gives us light his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God loves us so much, He provides a way. His word, only His word is our lamplight. Won't you follow? The sun is quickly setting as you approach the door, and all you have is this little lamplight to guide your path forward. You enter into the darkened house, and you really don't know where to go because there's, it's too dark for you to be able to see exactly what rooms and, and, and where you're needing to be. And as you're standing there, your senses are heightened because you're in the dark, and you start hearing faint scratching off in the distance. So as you're hearing that, you're guiding yourself slowly to that room, and then you enter into that archway, and in that room, there are all these little lamplights scattered around and at this table, and there's this figure, this man, who's hunched over this table, just feverishly scribbling away, and then he, he hears you come into the room, and he looks up, and you see the Apostle Paul's eyes full of concern as he's writing the letter to the Ephesian believers who are starting to fall away from the faith. And as you're looking at him, you see his eyes are concerned, but you also see the physical toll that following Jesus has taken on his body. His face is bruised, his eye is swollen, uh, almost shut, and it's bl- bloodshot from the beating that he's taken. You see his hands are still bandaged and he's doing his best to write this letter to these believers and his, the fellow Christians that he has been in co- constant communication with. You see, as he turns away from you to direct his attention back to the paper, his, his ribs must have been broken or at least fractured because he's very gingerly getting back to the letter that he's writing. And as you're seeing this, you notice that, man, he has just suffered so much and he's gone through so much. Here he is writing a letter to believers who are far away while he's in house arrest in the city of Rome awaiting trial because he had been beaten on the steps of the temple in Jerusalem by his own people because they falsely accused him of bringing a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, further into the temple than he should have. Now he, he obviously didn't do that, that was a false accusation, but he is paying the price of that false accusation right then and there. So as you're standing in that room, put yourself in his seat, put yourself in his shoes, or I don't know, maybe sandals probably, probably would be more accurate, but what would be going through your head if you were in Paul's situation? Would you be concerned about other people or would you be concerned about yourself, about what's going on? You know, hey, how's this trial going to end up? Am I going to be a free person or am I gonna have my head cut off? Which that's eventually, spoiler alert, that's how he died. Um, but is that too soon? I don't know if we should make fun of of his martyrdom. Anyway, um, and so... He's sitting there, and you're in that situation. What would be going through your head? Would you be angry? Would you be questioning if God was even good? Would you be questioning if God's even in your life and present in your life and guiding you? This must have been an incredibly difficult and dark time for Paul. And I would just assume that this little light would probably be the only source of light that's in his life in that moment. But that assumption would be completely wrong because Paul did not allow the circumstances in his life to dictate the level of faith and light in his life. Paul did not allow the circumstances to circumvent the light of Jesus shining bright in his life because he's there feverishly writing, concerned about the faith of others, concerned about what's going on in different cities across the Mediterranean where he had planted churches, where he's writing things like uh, you can have peace and that you can follow Jesus and that his peace can shine bright in your life. This is what Paul was doing and it's like how, how in the world Was Paul able to do that? How was Paul able to focus on the lamplight of peace in his life, even though everything was seemingly falling apart around him? Could it be that when Paul encountered a difficult situation in his life, that the uh, uh, verse that we've been communicating and saying and, and meditating and memorizing these past couple of weeks that the verse that we've been uh, focusing on was reverberating in his head. That your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That when Paul encountered uh, 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 people who did not like him and started spreading rumors so that they could beat him and imprison him. Oh, instead of getting uh, you know, frustrated or anxious and said, okay God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay, and then fast forward, Paul's, Paul's uh, going and, and, and he, he's not able to feed himself, he's not able to provide for himself, and as he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that you can read later, that he was even naked at one point and just not able to, provide. oh God, okay, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That you are going to provide for me. You are going to guide me. You are going to sustain me. You are going to protect me. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I think that even though Paul's life looked like one disaster after another, That he was constantly focusing on the light that Jesus gives him and following the path that Jesus was guiding him down. And we find him in this room, surrounded by these little lights, writing a letter to believers so that they will remain faithful to God and to one another. And he clues them in and us today on when we have this type of unity with our creator and this type of unity with one another, peace is produced in our life. And so Paul's writing there, even though he doesn't know what his future looks like, even though he's physically been beaten, even though his life just looks like a wreck, he's still writing that there can be peace in your life today. Friends, do you need that? Do you need peace in your life today? Do you need that peace that Paul wrote about that surpasses all understanding to flood into whatever situation, whatever is weighing you down right now, whatever it is that you're just constantly waking up in the middle of the night thinking about? Do you need Jesus' peace to flood into those areas of your life so that he can sustain you through that? Friends, Paul says that he knows where you can find that peace. He's showing us where you can find that peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, where we'll focus our time on today, he says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both. Of them to God, through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers that the lamplight of peace comes from Jesus Christ alone. Friends, if you're looking for peace today, if you're trying to find peace in your life and in your world today, you have to realize that peace is a person. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. The light of peace that we are searching for can only be found in Jesus, and that's because peace is a person Paul tells the Ephesian believers and us today that peace is not just a state of mind or some tranquil, you know, state of being or, oh man, I'm really going to be at peace when that person is out of my life or when I can get out of that situation, then I'll be at peace. No, Paul is reminding us that we can have peace only when we have Jesus because Jesus is peace. He is the full embodiment of peace. In the original Greek language that uh, the New Testament was originally written in and that Paul was writing in uh, the were the actual sentence that we just read looked completely different in fact, verses fourteen through eighteen is all one sentence, one run on sentence, no punctuations, all capital letters, just you know just regurg- word vomit onto a page basically and so what it would have said literally is Uh, where is it, himself, for he is, peace, our. I mean, that sounds like Yoda, doesn't it? You know, Mm, interesting. But that's what Paul would have been saying. But it shows us that everything that Paul's writing about in this sentence, but also in this section, everything points back to Jesus because Jesus is our peace. He's the person of peace. He himself is our peace. And I love what our modern translations do with this section because we don't have to, you know, yodify it. Instead, we can actually read it and understand it. So, we have two different versions, uh, NIV and the New Living Translation up on the screen, and it says, for he himself is our peace. And then the New Living Translation puts it this way, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. And I love that because neither one of them is wrong. They're translating this accurately, but they're emphasizing specific things that Jesus does. And what they're doing is they're saying that Jesus himself is our peace. He is the author, the creator, the originator of peace. But he doesn't just keep it to himself. Instead, he brings peace to us. He brings us his peace, so he is also the deliverer of our peace. He brings peace into our lives. Instead of removing negativity out of our life, instead of removing negative people out of our life, instead of uh, of subtracting ourselves out of whatever uh, bad situation we're in, instead, Jesus brings us his peace so that we can have his peace to get us through that situation. So that we can have his peace to get us through that relationship. So that we can have his peace to get us through whatever it is outside of our control. Peace comes into our life when Jesus comes into our life. Because he is the author of peace. This was true for the disciples. When Jesus was getting ready to leave them and go to the cross and then go to his father. He says in John 14, 28. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Man, isn't that comforting? That you don't know what's gonna happen in the next moment. You don't know what's waiting for you outside these church doors. Jesus does and he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. You can have Jesus's peace no matter what situation you're going through. Peace is not determinative of your circumstances. Instead, it's only dependent upon Jesus. Peace was essential for Jesus. And he's the bringer of our peace. And he was, uh, peace was essential for his ministry as well. Everywhere Jesus went, peace followed him for those who trusted in him. And in, in fact, the Old Testament prophets viewed peace as being a central characteristic of the messianic kingdom, that they were waiting for this Messiah to come and, and rule and reign and, and just completely rid them of everything, and that he was bring peace with him. And in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six and seven, it shows us this. It says, for unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Merry Christmas. I mean, we all read that then, don't we? But this text doesn't just have to mean there's peace at Christmas. It can envelop and indwell your life every single day of your life because he is the same Yet today, yesterday, and forever. He's the same God who brings peace into every area of our life. This peace, this king has come. The prince of peace has come already. He's already walked this earth. He's already defeated darkness by being our sacrifice so that we could receive his peace and then live out his peace in the midst of destruction, in the midst of depression, in the midst of despair, in the midst of whatever the world has going on. The peace that Jesus gives is not contingent upon your circumstances or situations in your life. But rather, it's dependent upon the relationship you have with Jesus. So peace is not determinative of what's going on in your life, but rather if you have a relationship with Jesus. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. Man, that's just a beautiful, that we can have peace when we have a relationship with Jesus. And friends, this isn't like some, oh, well, that's real, that's really great advice, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't really know what what bills I'm faced with. You don't really know know, the situation that's going on in my life. No, I don't, I don't know what's going on in your life. And I've only been here at MCC for like eight months, so you probably don't know much about my life either. But my wife and I, we have seen this to be true. When Heather and I moved back to Cincinnati uh, from Pittsburgh and yeah, I don't really wanna share this, but I think it would be helpful. When we moved back uh, to Cincinnati from Pittsburgh in 2015, uh, darkness was really just waiting for us. Um, A lot of things happened in that short amount of time when we were back in Cincinnati the the first time. We're back again. Um, And uh, when we moved back, her Volkswagen Jetta, the transmission died like way too soon and it's like, oh man, this stinks. Like, really? We got to get a new car? That was like Heather's first love. Um, I was just kind of along for the ride, I think. Um, and it was just devastating. Like, oh, this, th- we love this car. We have so many memories of this car, so many road trips. Uh, so that died. And then we moved into an apartment and they, there was no, there was literally no insulation, especially in the bedroom. I called it walk- the tomb because it was so cold in the winter that like you could just see icicles. It was just, it was horrible. And, uh, you know, The rent was cheap, but the gas and electric bill was like 400 bucks during during that, so it really wasn't cheap. So we're like, okay, let's move to a better apartment that might be a little bit more, but we're gonna save money in the long run. So we moved into that basement apartment, and then we literally unpacked everything. We were getting ready to go out to dinner, and then we had a sewage backup, and 95% of our stuff was gone. It's like, oh, my goodness, we're, we're not saving that, you know, that, that's funky water. and so like, you know, we don't want this. And, but then the really bad things started happening. My mom passed away. Then Heather's dad passed away. Uh, then my brother passed away from cancer. Then her grandma passed away. It's like, God, what are you doing? This is like three to four years of our life, and just everything's falling apart, and I remember I was sitting in a worship service, not able to worship at all. I was just mad. Like, what happened? Like, we followed you. We came back, you know. And, it, and I remember my wife, who doesn't normally, like, um, receive this, but she saw this picture of Jesus being a shield for us and blocking things that Satan was throwing our way. And yeah, some bad things came in and and painful things came in, but he he was still fighting for us. And that meant so much to me. That was such a defining moment in my life that, wow. Jesus you're still here for me you're still fighting for me you're still giving me your light to follow after you even though this is dark this is such a dark season of our life and even though there's so much depression and despair in our lives we can still follow you because you're still guiding us you're still good you're still giving us this peace that can transcend all understanding man it was just it was so impactful for me and i know that to be true and I believe that that's one reason why Paul is able to get through what he was getting, going through at that moment, that Jesus, he himself is our peace. Even though I'm literally in chains and under house arrest and don't know if I'm going to get my head cut off, I'm still going to say he's my peace because he is guiding me and his lamplight is showing me how to live. And so peace is a person today, friends. If you're looking for peace in any other solution, you're looking at the wrong source because Jesus himself is our peace. Peace is a person, but it also has a purpose. Peace has a purpose. Paul goes on to show us that not only is this peace from Jesus, but the peace that only Jesus gives has a purpose for our life. And that purpose is to create in himself one new humanity, relationally united together into the family of God. Jesus' peace not only shines out into your life to defeat darkness and despair and depression, but Jesus' peace also ends division and hatred and disunity and hostility between both us and God and us and one another. That Jesus's peace isn't just a way for us to get back to God and have a relationship with him. That's too short-sighted. Instead, it has actual real-world implications where you and I can be in relationship with people who don't look like us, don't vote like us, don't act like us, don't live in the same tax bracket as us, don't live in the same neighborhood as us. Paul puts it this way, that for he himself is our peace. Man, this is so amazing. Paul is, remember I said Paul's under house arrest for being falsely accused of bringing a non-Jewish person into an area where non-Jewish people weren't supposed to be? Paul's writing there thinking about this, that there's a physical barrier in the temple that has been destroyed because of what Jesus has done. And so we've got a picture of this. And this first picture here illustrates a, a drawing of what the temple would have looked like during Jesus' day and during Paul's day when he was writing this letter. That this massive building, this big temple, but outside of it, all that white space would have been the Gentile courtyard. That's where, if you're not Jewish today, that's where you would stay. That's how close you could get to God's presence. Just there. Just there. That huge building, huge temple is off limits to you and I. The second picture shows us that if you were a non-Jewish person, there was a clear demarcation right there where the fence is with these inscriptions posted. There was like 12 of them all around the temple. And this third picture shows you one of those uh, 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 inscriptions. And it's, according to historians, it says that no foreigner in, is to enter within the forecourt and the balustrade around the sanctuary, whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. So, they're not messing around. Like, if you are not Jewish, you do not pass this sign. You do not come any closer to the presence of God. And so, Paul was falsely accused of bringing a non-Jewish believer past that point. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 21, at the end of Acts chapter 21. So this is why he's under house arrest, because he was falsely accused of bringing a non-Jewish person past that wall and closer to the presence of God. But Paul's sitting there in chains under house arrest, and he's writing and reminding these people that there's no more, there there no longer is a wall that's dividing us from God because God is no longer cooped up in a temple. Instead, he's made you a temple, and he lives inside of you. And he's made each and every one of us his temples where we can have constant communication, constant connection with our Creator because there is now no separation between us and God. And there's no separation between us and others if we believe in God and if we are in the family of God. Jesus destroys the very thing that, that was built to keep people far from him and far from one another. Jesus broke down the dividing wall of hostility so that his peace could reign in our hearts and our lives and light our path toward relational unity with both God and each other. Man, that's just wonderful, isn't it? Well we really need to think about this. Like the psalm psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Are there any walls that you've built in your life that are separating you from God? Are there any walls that are separating you from each other? From oh, those are those people. Hey, it's cool. You can you could be cool. You could be over there as long as you don't pass that wall over into my space. You know, is there anything going on in your life where Jesus is like, hey, I want to tear down those walls? I came and died so that those walls can be eradicated, and I want to remove those from your life. If you've built walls up today and in your heart and in your life, Jesus wants to tear down those walls and bring true peace into every area of your life. So when we allow the lamplight of peace to shine in our lives, then we're not only allowing the Prince of Peace to give us purpose, but he's also, we can join him in his mission. Because thirdly, peace is our mission. Peace is a person, peace has a purpose, but peace is also our mission. Jesus is not only the originator of peace, who unites all those who put their trust in him, but he also is the deliverer of peace, who brings peace to those who are far off and to those who are near to him. So what, that, what Paul's meaning is those who are far off, those are non-Jewish believers. Those who are near, those are Jewish believers. And that was the, separ- the classification for every human being on the planet. So Jesus has brought peace to absolutely everyone, including us today. When Paul says he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Jesus' mission was to bring peace between us and God and us and others. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can now have peace with our creator and we can have peace with his creation as well. However, this peace just won't happen naturally. I mean, get people in a room and you're gonna get, if you put 12 people in a room, you're probably gonna get 12 opinions. So, you know, I mean, peace just doesn't naturally happen. And so we can join Jesus in his mission by bringing peace to those we come in contact with. And when we do, when we join Jesus in this mission of peace, When we tear down walls that separate us from each other, when we tear down walls that separate us from one neighborhood or one people group, when we tear down walls that separate us from Republicans or from Democrats, or when we tear down walls that keep us isolated from each other or separate us from God, when we're joining Jesus in his mission, that's when he calls your life blessed. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Being a peacemaker, destroying barriers that separate people from one another or that separate people from, separate us from God, tearing down walls of hostility, that's just family business when it comes to the family of God. So act like a child of God and be, join Jesus in his mission. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, and let the peace that comes from Christ Rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and be thankful. So Paul is saying to be thankful is a way to access this peace that Jesus gives us. To live in peace with one another is a way to live out the peace that Jesus gives us. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 12, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? He says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So when you join Jesus on his mission of bridging people and bringing peace to people and letting the light of his peace shine bright in your life, then your life will be blessed, the Lord will repay, will repay those who try to tear you down, and you will have access to the Father through the Spirit. Man, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? And you have the peace of Jesus just permeating through everything in every area of your life. So friend, if you are searching for peace today, then you need to realize that peace is a person, peace has a purpose, and that you can join Jesus in his mission of bringing the light of peace to all those you come into contact with. So if you remember nothing, remember this, we are all searching for peace, but it can only be found in Jesus. It can only be found in Jesus. Is your life a little chaotic right now? I mean, I know my life is. We're we're new homeowners, and so it's just like, man, we can never take a break. It's just like one thing after another after another. Um, And it's like, man, there's not much peace right now. But then you sit down and take a break, and we're sitting on like our uh, front porch. It's like, man, this is super quiet. This is really nice. This is peaceful. It's just like a glimpse of what Jesus can do in your life internally. So, are you going through some chaos right now? If you are, Jesus wants to give you some peace. Are you hurting because, man, that loved one just left way too soon? Jesus wants to bring peace into your life today. Are you sitting here and you're like, man, John, just look out in our culture today and just all of the infighting and backstabbing and just constant you know, regurgitation of stuff. And it's like, oh my goodness, of course, how is God even present in this? If that's where you're sitting today, Jesus wants to bring peace into your life, to reign over your life and show you how to navigate through the lamplight of his peace. Jesus' peace can guide you so that your life can live out the words of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is probably some of, one of our favorite passages of scripture. It's always, seems like it's always at funerals, but it's really not just a funeral psalm. Instead, it's a psalm that can guide your life. So when you allow Jesus's peace to light up your path, he'll guide you beside quiet waters. When you allow peace of Jesus to reign in your life, then it will refresh your soul. When you allow Jesus' peace to guide you along the right path so that you don't have to live in fear, even though everything around you is just falling apart when you let Jesus' peace guide you to the table that he has prepared for you, your cup is going to overflow with the peace that only God can give because he is the person of peace and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you that you alone give us peace. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, show us any walls that we have built up that are separating us from you, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, but God, reveal that to us right now in this moment. And Jesus, we ask that you come and break down that wall so that we can have your peace in our lives, flooding our lives, flooding our mind, and flooding the situation that we are in. Jesus, help us to join you in the mission of bringing peace to those around us. Our world is desperate for peace and we can give it to them because we can give them you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.